0: Welcome to episode 215 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. And today we are joined for our annual visit with one of my favorite guests. He's gone from blogger to NFL media to Yahoo to his own reception (laughs) perception venture, a fellow dog lover close to my heart. It is, of course, wide receiver specialist Matt Harmon. Matt, how's it going?
1: Things are great, Adam. I appreciate you having me on as always. And yes, the dogs are uh, ever present in the heart, but I'm sure you can uh, relate to this. I had to kick both of them out of the room, you know, to like much protesting. They listen almost 98% of the time that 2% is usually like time to hit the road for pods to start, you know, then they don't want to leave. So had to had to escort them out like a like a security detail or something, but yeah, I mean I'm sure you can relate it is a, it's a good good life right now with the the website and then obviously always with the dogs obviously i actually uh, I'm getting bookshelves installed
0: behind me on Monday, and I was thinking about getting a bookshelf installed like where I could fit a dog bed on it, so then behind <laughs> me would be a live dog during the show instead of you know the bobbleheads or the adam schefter bookcase or whatever i have a live dog behind me during the show for the for those of you who are watching on youtube so yeah
1: get yourself a big ass floor pillow like this one here like Mm -hmm. night you know sometimes if i if you know if it's a podcast i don't care about obviously etr is top priority you know sometimes (laughs) i'll let the dogs in here and they'll you know just wander in and out usually you can see the bigger one but uh, they they do enjoy that while you're uh sitting here clanking away at stuff
0: all right on today's show, we are going to be talking about wide receivers I slash we find interesting. Not through the lens of their statistics necessarily, but through the lens of how good they actually are. And oftentimes, I think at wide receiver, much more so than running back, that rises to the top. In other words, talent rises to the top at wide receiver more than other positions. Before we get into today's show, wanted to remind everyone that preseason DFS, a.k.a. God's game, returns on Thursday (laughs) we will be covering every slate in depth as part of our preseason package head to the subscribe page on the site to check that out also must remind everyone this show is indeed brought to you by our friends at underdog fantasy best way to get ready for your season long draft for DFS season is to be in the real money best ball streets the UI the platform on underdog is for sure by far the best if you have our draft kit you get up to $35 for free on underdog please take their money do not waste it head to the best ball tab for more details there all right matt let's give the people a quick refresher on what reception perception is i suspect many of them know but perhaps some don't in a one minute how can you tell them what it is why you do it how does it work what is reception perception
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, I think that the cream does tend to rise to the top with wide receivers. Uh, You know, the good guys tend to produce year over year. They eventually rise to the top of depth charts. And the problem is, Adam, that it's really tough to identify who's good at wide receiver based on your listeners know this. You know this, like based on the (laughs) fact that their production is so inherently dependent on outside variables, you know, obviously you need a good quarterback or whatever, but there's really nothing out there statistics wise that completely isolates the wide receiver. Wide receiver from his surrounding variables i think reception perception i'm more bullish on this now than ever i think is the only thing that isolates wide receiver play from everything else just focuses in on how the one thing the wide receiver can control which is how often they get open how often they run good routes what type of routes they run so And over an eight-game sample for NFL players and college players are back this year as well. I go in and isolate those wide receivers. I chart every single route that they run in that eight-game sample, how often they get open versus man, press, zone, et cetera, how often they get open on each individual route type, as well as ancillary metrics like contested catch rate, yards after the catch, uh, some of those other things. Basically, again, I'm trying to not just give you everything you need to know about wide receivers, but trying to isolate them from those surrounding variables so that for guys, you know, that eventually get put in that position to produce, we know who is good before they're good and just how good they are. Because that's another thing I think it's especially pertinent to your listeners and people that are trying to draft in best ball leagues right now, since this site has gone independent now at receptionperception.com we've done a lot more studying on you know what are the thresholds that we want guys to hit and you know production how does that correlate with reception perception happy to report james co uh, my business partner put an article up showing that like if you're over the 90th percentile you're gonna average like 80 plus yards per game in a season like it's very rare that those guys fail like guys that get open they they tend to win in the nfl and they tend to rise to the top so yeah I'm, I'm i'm very bullish on this process identifying good players and uh, we'll talk more about that throughout the entire show today
0: yeah exactly okay let's get into the player takes i want to start with justin jefferson because justin jefferson's rookie year career arc was wild i mean he was a second stringer all throughout training camp was justin jefferson played behind bc johnson in weeks one and week two and then he goes off for one of the greatest rookie wide receiver seasons in the history of the NFL was there anything fluky here on Justin Jefferson or is he legit already one of the best wide receivers in the NFL
1: yeah, I thought it was so funny that uh, he started off kind of slow in training camp, wasn't playing the first two seasons. And I guess there were some negative reports coming out of there, you know, that he was dropping passes or whatever. But, I mean, this was a refined guy in college. Like, even the, the fact that he played in the slot really didn't matter to me. Um, yeah, it's, it, to me, I think he is a full-blown stud. There's nothing fluky here. Uh, I mentioned guys that are over the 90th percentile. Those are, like, the best of the best. He was over the 90th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage. Second best in press coverage last year second only to Stefan Diggs ironically the guy to uh the guy that he replaced there I think really over the last few years that reception perception has been around 2014 to 2020 he probably had the second best season second only to uh Odell Beckham for a rookie wide receiver so I don't think there's anything fluky with fluky with this guy as long as he stays healthy as long as he continues to get targets which we have no reason to not be confident in I'm I'm right there where he is in in ADP right now in terms of my. Rankings.
0: Yeah, we have him 24th overall right there with Keenan Allen, right there with DK Metcalf. And I like taking one of those guys. I actually like Jefferson the best and then DK and then Keenan Allen, but I like taking one of those guys. At the back end, when I get those Christian McCaffrey teams, I start a lot with Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Darren Waller, and teams like that. And I like Justin Jefferson there for sure. Terry McLaurin. And this is, I think, one thing that we can say about your process when the QBs are Alex Smith. Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Case Keenum, it can be difficult to identify exactly how good Terry McLaurin is. We can say, hey, Terry McLaurin's had some really good games with these really dusty quarterbacks. Now he gets the talent maximizer, I think, in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so I'm excited about Terry McLaurin. I'm excited about this Washington football team in general. How have you evaluated Terry McLaurin with these quarterbacks through his first two NFL seasons?
1: Yeah, I think Terry McLaurin is like a true stud. I think he is the next, you know, superstar receiver that the national public audience might not be ready to put there. I'm ready to put him there. He was number five in success rate versus man coverage last year. Ironically, he was right behind Allen Robinson at 78.6%. You know, and I think he's like been saved from the Allen Robinson career path where we're like, you know, seven years in Allen Robinson's career, still complaining about the fact that he hasn't played with a good quarterback yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe this is changing now with Justin Fields, obviously, but I think Terry McLaurin was saved from that fate. And I mean, I feel very similarly to uh, Terry McLaurin as I did with Allen Robinson way back in the day that at some point he's going to have that elite type of season, uh, even when he is playing with bad quarterbacks. Now we, now we don't really have to worry about that. So I I'm, I'm full, like, Guns blazing for for Terry McLaurin. I have him right now at wide receiver eleven in my second tier. Uh, I'm I'm very bullish on him this year, producing a wide receiver one season. I feel like all the confluence of factors there are 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 right there. So yeah, I mean top stud and in, in man coverage, press coverage, like a true alpha number one receiver. We should really have no hesitation when it comes to to McLaurin. He is an unbelievably good route runner for a second year player.
0: Yeah. And we've talked to this about this a lot with Ohio State guys where they were asked to do very, very specific things at Ohio State. And that kind of pushes down their draft capital. If Terry McLaurin would have gone to a different college, I bet he would have been a first round, a higher first round pick. You know what I mean? These Ohio State guys, we don't see their route tree get expanded. They come to NFL, people don't know if they can do it. And then we realize, oh, they can do it. I think we might see that with Paris Campbell, too, but I'm getting off track.
1: Shout out to Urban Meyer. Our, our, good, our good pal Urban Meyer uh, are putting, off, putting us off the scent on wide receivers early on.
0: <laughs> T. Higgins is the third guy I want to talk about. Now, it's an interesting case on T. Higgins, you know, quote unquote, only 908 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie. But I thought he was pretty impressive, especially when Joe Burrow was healthy. Obviously, it was going to be tough with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley in there. The thing that kind of surprised me on T. Higgins, though, is every the market is on him big time. I mean, T. Higgins is going mm-hmm. in the fourth or fifth round. I actually prefer Jamar Chase. And at ADP, I prefer Tyler Boyd also. But I'm afraid T. Higgins is gonna ram it down my throat. So I'm I'm curious what you think <laughs> of T Higgins, especially relative to his other teammates and uh T. Higgins in general, how he can perform as what I kind of think is the number three option for Joe Burrow, but maybe it'll be we have it actually pretty even in their target shares. So I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, I've, I, in my projections, I have it pretty even in terms of like where they're gonna slot out target wise. I, I I think they're all like kind of appropriately priced, though. You know, I think that T. Higgins at this point, coming out of his rookie year, he doesn't profile as one of these like Justin Jefferson, C. D. Lamb, even Brandon Ayuk type. It's like I think all of those guys are are should be. Ranked well ahead, maybe even a tier above like just in terms of player quality than a guy like T Higgins he profiles more in reception perception as a guy that's like a really. Really good number two receiver sort of kind of in that like Adam Thielen bucket and we know that Adam Thielen's put up like great seasons before. But he's always been passed up by guys like Diggs and and then obviously last year with Justin Jefferson as well, the one thing that I will say about T Higgins it was. Kind of like a pleasant surprise for me as I thought going into his RP sample that he might be more of like a possession receiver, like that classic throwback number two type of guy. But he performed better on vertical routes like the nine, the corner, the post um, than I was expecting. So the fact that I think that he can be more of a big play option in this passing game, it, I, I think is pretty good reason to be optimistic about him. But I'm with you. I think Jamar Chase immediately like usurps him, you know, like that. And I, cause I think right. the biggest weakness in the Bengals passing game last year and some of this honestly might be a Joe Burrow issue like I don't think the guys got the biggest arm out there but I think the biggest problem with their passing game last year is that they were such a small ball offense they were really not vertically inclined and and Chase is just an immediate I think ball winner outside also his best routes in reception perception were all those vertical patterns as well I think you want to count on Chase being a number one wide receiver right away for this team. But I, I think that just in fantasy terms, I think these guys could all be kind of pretty close to each other, um, especially because, you know, they don't have a tight end that really that we can trust. Uh, I, I'm not on the audit Tate experiences, like a number four receiver or something like that. So, yeah, I, th- I really like all of these players. Uh, and T Higgins, like I said, sort of falls into that, like classic number two receiver that they, if, as long as they get an alpha across from him, and I think they have one now, I think it's good things for him. Uh-
0: Jamar Chase's ADP on underdog is 43 and T Higgins is only three spots behind at 46. I think the gap should be wider there. It sounds like you do as well, maybe, but yeah, I think the gap yeah. should be wider there. And let me just pull up Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Tyler Boyd is down at 74, his ADP and we're, we're ahead of market on Tyler Boyd as well. Have him 68th market is at 74th. So yeah, that's kind of how yeah, I feel. For, about what the it's,
1: for what it's worth. I have, uh, I have Jamar Chase and also shout out to me. Uh, most accurate rankings last year in fantasy pros after like literally railing on rankings for my entire career. I think I <laughs> I think I've destroyed rankings at this point, man. Like we shouldn't even do them anymore. It's over. But as I quote uh, my rankings here, I have uh, I have Jamar Chase like a whole tier ahead of Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, and I have Boyd and Higgins in the same tier. So right. I think that kind of shows we we're, we're on the same page there. Exactly.
0: Okay, let's go to this Jaguars situation and DJ Chark because I think this is really interesting. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and immediately. Play Well, I am a little bit concerned that Urban Meyer is just kind of a donk and he's going to run Carlos yeah. Hyde into the <laughs> middle of the line. But still, I've always thought DJ Chark had inter- interesting talent. He hasn't earned as many targets as I th- wish that he would have considering the competition around him. Now he has Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chanel, Travis Entienne to compete with, but the pass game as a whole should be much, 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 much better with trevor lawrence so yeah i'm curious what you think of dj Chark from just a raw how good is he perspective is he better than marvin and chenault
1: i think this is one of the situations where the adp gap between these players really needs to close uh when it comes to like chark seems so much farther ahead than lavisca chenault and marvin jones in that order i feel like I'm fine with where LaVisca is going in drafts right now, but I feel like Jones should come up closer to him and Chark should come down a little closer to him as well. Because, like, what well, I mean, what percentage shocked would you be if Marvin Jones just straight up outproduces DJ Chark? I would be, like, 0% surprised. I mean, I'm, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm projecting, but Jones is always a guy who consistently outkicks his ADP, sort of exactly – Um, what I was talking about with T Higgins, that's like Marvin Jones, you know, that classic number two receiver, um, you know, produces really well always kind of comes a little closer to that number one receiver than most people project, whether it was Kenny Galladay or like when he and Golden Tate were on the same teams, Um, you know, I I really like Marvin Jones. And I think it says a lot that uh, this coaching staff went out and got him right away. Uh, You know, they're not shark fans like, and I mean, maybe they're not, I, I don't know, but I think, you know, when, Urban Meyer comes out and says, you know, DJ Chark, big guy that played small last year, and everybody freaks out because it's, like, not a nice thing to say or whatever. Maybe he shouldn't have said it publicly, but you know what, Adam? He was not wrong. Like, that's the way that Chark played last year. Like, his 2019 reception perception – it was pretty encouraging but whether it was injuries or you know just something else going on last year he saw a near 10 percentage drop in his success rate versus man coverage down to like the 21st percentile so you know I'm not saying like he's bad forever but he did not play well last year mm-hmm. even when you remove him from the fact that he was playing with like damn Mike Glennon and Jake Luton and Gardner Mincher or whatever I don't think he had a very good season last year so if he's coming in with like a blank slate on this coaching staff I wouldn't be surprised if Jones becomes the preferred out. Outside guy here. And, you know, with with reception perception, sometimes I, I think that this is just always the case with any sort of metric. It's le- less so about the data and more so about the application of the data. And I think Chenault is one of those players that, like, people might log on to receptionperception.com, which you should do that, uh, and then go to like the sortable data tables and just filter by success rate versus man and be like, oh, Chenault's kind of down there the, near the bottom. He probably sucks. I would not say that I would not say that at all. Like I look at a guy like him as potentially playing as an interior receiver as a big slot, which I think would be great because they don't have really a true tight end on the team. If he's that interior receiver for the team, you know, sort of playing a similar role to like a Juju Smith Schuster, I would love that for LaVisca Chenault. I would be all in Mm -hmm. on him playing that type of role because I think he's pretty good at sifting the holes in the middle of the field, even getting like vertical routes from the slot I think he can do that as well like I'd rather have him in that role than you know whatever this like slasher role they that that some folks wanted him to be in because yeah he's great after the catch and everything he's awesome in contested situations as well but like if we're getting him running against zone coverage on digs and posts um, you know getting like 10 average depth of target as opposed to like six, I think Chenault could really crush it in that role. So this is one of the most interesting receiver cores to talk about this year. But my general take is that I think that ADP gap does need to close. Like, I don't think there should be that big of a gap between Chark and Jones, especially, or LaVisca Chenault.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's the age model. You know, DJ Chark is 24, Marvin Jones is 31. And so you could say Marvin Jones is declining. He's more likely to not meet his what his reception perception or what his still, still was in the past. And DJ Shark yeah. has a lot of room to improve. And I agree that um, DJ Shark has some concerns. I would still bet on Shark over Marvin, but man, I hear what you're saying for sure. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. I think the narrative out there is that without Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster just, well, he's just not that good. And he's just kind of a strict slot guy with a quarterback, with kind of a dead arm. And so it's not a great spot for... Juju. And maybe that's true. I would have liked to have seen what he could have done somewhere else with more of an outside role. Like he could, it sounded like he could have signed with the Chiefs. And that would have been really, really, really interesting. But he stays in Pittsburgh. What do you think of the narrative that Juju's not that good without Antonio Brown? And can he put up big numbers again, strictly out of the slot?
1: Yeah, I want to keep him in the slot. I'm definitely one of those folks that does not think he can win outside. He's routinely been below the 10th percentile success rate versus man and press like continue uh, awesome against zone coverage. I think he's great at that. I think that's always been the role that he's best in. Like he should stay as an interior big slot receiver that doesn't face much man and press. Like I mentioned, he's he's not good against that particular coverage, but he doesn't face press very often as that big interior receiver. Like even in his big years, playing with Antonio Brown, that was the role he was in. It's not as if he's ever been you know, a true outside X receiver. And I think that's a credit to the Steelers for identifying the right role for him. And even like, as he talks about wanting to play outside more, apparently in training camp, he's almost exclusively lining up inside, which I think makes sense because Deontay Johnson, I think is a stud separator. He's mm-hmm. out there, you know, at the 95th percentile against man coverage, really good against press. And, and even though he only was getting like some pop gun passes last year, I think he could work really well farther down the route tree based on his reception perception results. And Chase Claypool Is obviously like the archetype player that you want to bet on taking that next step as an outside receiver as well so I just really don't see any reason for him to move outside of the role that he's been best in so far Uh, and yeah based on his reception perception I do not think he would ever really thrive as a primary outside receiver again always below the 10th percentile against press coverage and has I think only once cleared 60% against man coverage which is not a very good number
0: yeah You know, on Deontay Johnson, I played Deontay Johnson a bunch in cash last year when I was kind of on an island. A lot of people didn't, but this dude earns targets. And I strongly believe that earning targets is a skill. And, you know, you're saying he's in the 95th percentile winning versus man. Uh, Very clear to me that Ben sees that. And and Deontay Johnson is always open. Dude is a threat. We're averaging 10 targets a game in his full games. I mean, that's just a lot of usage for a guy who a lot of people didn't want to play because of the quote unquote drops. You know, I think that being high on Deontay Johnson is something I want to be for sure. And Chase Claypool, my God, in the PSM, the (laughs) penis penis size model, he is just absolutely (laughs) popping. So I like Chase. Yeah, Deontay
1: Johnson. Like, I don't know. I guess people just like get lost in this in the spreadsheets, as if like uh, like oh, he's just randomly being assigned like ten plus targets a game, as if that's something. Like, what the hell do people think? Like, the guys throw guys the ball because they think they're good, and coaches Mm -hmm. draw plays for guys because they think they're good. Like. I don't understand why I under, I obviously like drops in big primetime games are a real bummer. That's something I've talked about, like my entire career covering receivers. Um, you know, I think it tends to to lead us to a pretty bad negativity bias, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, Deontay Johnson in reception perception, absolutely a guy you want to yeah. bet on like being a long-term number one receiver chase claypool very similar year in reception perception as a rookie to dk metcalf if he takes that like next step um i I would think this could be like a really dangerous receiver duo
0: yeah i mean the the negative the knock on deontay johnson is yards per target was pathetic last year in part because ben throws so short and his average depth of target you know was just so bad but i think a lot of that is on ben i think a lot of it's Ben. exactly okay Brandon Ayuk, I have been taking Brandon Ayuk easily, like no brainer, Brandon Ayuk, I take him over Debo Samuel every single time. I think Debo is used more, not that I have any problem with Debo Samuel at all, I think he's used more on kind of these screens and very short passes where Brandon Ayuk is capable of going down the field and doing a lot more, and I want guys going down the field at a higher rate. So I've been smashing Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. Do you agree on that, and what's your outlook on Brandon Ayuk?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ayuk is like the guy that coming into this year's charting process, coming out of it, surprised me the most. Um, I think Brandon Ayuk back in college was a guy that, you know, you didn't see a lot of reps in terms of like him against press man coverage. You saw him against off, off coverage a lot and even like some of the reps weren't great. As a collegiate player, uh, I thought he might be more of like a Debo Samuel type, you know, like a create created touches guy, get him yards after the catch. But man, you you mentioned it like this guy in, in year one, he's out there uh, as like the, the 49ers ex receiver primarily lining up outside on the line of scrimmage and was just awesome had an above average success rate on all but one of the routes in his perception perception sample and that was the flat route like who cares you know like we're talking about a player who wins downfield lights up the route tree Uh, you know he was up there in terms of reception perception 88th percentile against man coverage also really strong numbers against press like typically. If you bet against these type of players that finish at that sort of percentile level, you you lose. Like unless he's Sterling Shepard, maybe, and even like Shepard's all right, right? He's yeah, but like he's never gonna be that type of guy. I think Ayuk is is the next stud receiver in the NFL. Like you know, uh, I think after this year, he's gonna. I, I like Debo Samuel too. I, like this doesn't have to be a situation where I I love Ayuk so I hate Samuel. I think that's stupid when we get into that type of analysis, but. I definitely think in terms of NFL value and therefore probably the usage and fantasy value will follow it. I think that Ayuk is so much farther ahead of Samuel, just like the value he's going to bring to the team as a a number one outside receiver. I think he's ready to take that next step. The 49ers are just tough to get right from a projection standpoint because there's so many different paths they could take. I really feel like getting them right, whether it's being ahead of the market on Trey Sermon, whether it is, you know, being ahead of the market on Brandon Ayuk, like where does that make George Kittle or Debo Samuel fall? You know, what is the volume of this team and the efficiency going to look like when Trey Lance takes over? I really feel like getting the 49ers right this year is like the key to unlocking fantasy football. Um, I think the one take that I'm, locked in on is that Ayuk is a guy we should be drafting where he's going and maybe even a little bit ahead Uh, i just I, i love this player he's clearly like i said my biggest riser coming out of this year's charting yeah
0: Trey Lance in all two QB formats, Trey Lance in best ball sermon over Mostert easily. And I, over Samuel there. I just, I just solved it for everybody. Easy. game. Boom.
1: I, I mean, it's like, we're, exa- I'm, we're in lockstep, I think on, on how this team goes. Uh, but I, I do think this offense should be awesome. Uh, yeah. with whenever Trey Lance. And
0: I mean, over. we've talked about Evan and I've talked about the, the schedule, the 49ers have, and I never, ever get into schedules in preseason, but this 49 schedule is like so far outlier soft. It's outrageous, especially in the fantasy playoff time. Okay. Michael Gallup. I really loved Michael Gallup when he was going in the ninth round of fantasy drafts. I've seen him go in like (laughs) the sixth round lately. I mean, very clear. I like Michael Gallup. I actually have him on one of my dynasty teams or my only dynasty team, but I've seen him go in the sixth round now. I mean, he's clearly worse than Amari Cooper. He's clearly worse than CeeDee Lamb. They have Blake Jarwin. They have Dalton Schultz. They have Zeke and Pollard. And so I like Michael Gallup. I think that he will play really well when he gets opportunities, but man, it's asking a lot for him to go in the sixth round, I think. So even though I like Michael Gallup, I've been passing on him a lot when he, as his ADP has climbed. Do you think that's a mistake? And how good is Michael Gallup? Because it, it's kind of like when you're playing poker, man. Like if you're the fifth best player in the world, but you're playing against the four the the best four players in the world, you're in trouble. And so Michael Gallup on another team, I would be really excited about. On this team, I think he might be getting overvalued, and I know people aren't going to want to hear that. What do you what say you on Michael Gallup?
1: Yeah, when he was like an eighth round pick, I was like smashing him in the eighth round every single time. And I, I still see him in the eighth round a decent amount. And also like, by the way, you know, once we get out of, I know all ETR listeners are are sharp as hell and like out there, you know, in, in the best ball streets and all that. But like once we get to like August drafts, everybody's going to, you know, just be like, oh, Michael Gallup. But he's like, he's like mm-hmm. wide receiver 53 in like casual ADP right now. Right. You know, like that's obviously guns blazing there. Like I think he could be – I think it could finish around like wide receiver 30 or something like that. Um, I think that's very much in the range of outcomes, especially since Amari Cooper is on the shelf right now. I mean, at some point he'll get back out there and he will be all right. But I always hate when players are starting the year hurt. Uh, that's not ideal, especially at wide receiver. It's like Michael Thomas thing is such a bummer because of that. But I really do think Gallup is is an excellent player. I think he's their best X receiver for sure. And I think that obviously, though, that does lead to more high degree of difficulty targets, which is why um, even in the games where Dak Prescott was firing off, you know, Michael Gallup wasn't consistently producing there. He's had some big games, but like CeeDee Lamb running out of the slot over 90% of his routes last year, you know, he was getting those layups. Amari Cooper schemed really well in terms of that flanker receiver that moves pre-snap, everything like that. But I think that's kind of the key for this Cowboys receiver core. Uh, Michael Gallup's definitely their best receiver against press coverage, eighty-first percentile, really good vertical receiver and some shorter routes. But I want to see all three of these guys move around a little bit more, and I think that is going to unlock the upside of Ceedee Lamb too, which mm-hmm. is good to hear that at a camp he's been running as a perimeter receiver with Amari Cooper out. I I, I think there's a shot. It's CD. I'm not going to project this. I'm not going to rank him this way, but I think there's a shot that like CD lamb could finish in the top five this year because he's just that good and that I think is predicated on these guys moving around a little bit more. So I'd love it if Cooper got more slot snaps. I'd love it if Gallup wasn't just the X receiver wasn't just the vertical guy and actually again I think that would unlock the floor and ceiling for all these players because yeah, I think CeeDee Lamb's gonna be the future number one receiver here. I think he is he's bona fide that level of of guy coming out of his rookie year. I don't think they can justify really keeping him almost in this like Cooper Cup type of role as a slot receiver that never runs against press. Um, And and because of that trickle down effect, I think it could be good for guys like Cooper and and Gallup as well. I think Gallup too is like in Dynasty right now, I'd trade for him on every single team if I could. Mm -hmm. Um, If I didn't have him on a bunch of teams already, because I think he could leave in free agency this year. And then we're looking at maybe a guy that is some other teams, you know, 1B or number two receiver or something like that. I think I legitimately think that highly of Michael Gallup that he could be that type of player.
0: Yep. Agreed. Okay. Speaking of caliber of player, I mean, I don't get into the whole, you know, film and look at the hip swivel and look at his toe tapping, (laughs) but these Jerry Judy highlights of him running routes are ridiculous. And I thought, you know, I I haven't understood kind of, Cortland Sutton's been going higher than Jerry Judy. Uh, I don't really get that. Jerry Judy, better athlete than Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy, better route runner, I think, than Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy is not coming off of a torn ACL. So to me, it's been Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton. The whole time, even before we heard these whispers about Cortland Sutton, maybe yeah. not feeling good on his ACL Jerry Judy had some big games last year. he had some ugly games last year with some ugly drops. again, I think drops are incredibly overrated, but just isolating from all that, what did you think of Jerry Judy's rookie year?
1: Yeah, I have Judy ahead of Sutton this year as well. I was gonna gonna kind of go in with that, you know, even if it was just like a one spot gap or whatever, but I think the the Cortland Sutton news right now would make me drop him maybe into wide receiver tier six or something like that. But these guys are tough, tough to, tough to parse out. Cause I think Cortland Sutton is really, really good. I think he's a great downfield receiver. I think he wins in similar ways to a guy like Kenny Galladay and that they took like both it, Sutton's tough cause he has this big injury and now we're, we we do not really have like a clear trajectory for him. But with a guy like Galladay, he was one of these players that people talk about him like he's like a Kelvin Benjamin level of like separator, like he's only a contested catch guy, but I think Galladay has like taken little incremental steps every year as a route runner in reception perception to a point now that he's above that 70% mark where you're looking at really good receivers there. Sutton, I think, could have taken that jump. Now the injury kind of kind of throws it out there. Um, and I was sort of looking for a reason to to have some clarity on on this receiver core. I think the injury probably does that or like the slow recovery does that because you mentioned it. Jerry Judy's a really good separator, 87th percentile against man coverage, like comes in his in his rookie year and looks like an NFL route runner and I also love that they used him you know as an outside receiver as the year went on I kind of hope they continue to do that because he's so good at separating verse man I think that will probably ease some of the drop issues as well like he won't be going over the middle as much but man I, I really like Jerry Judy as a player, I really think that you could look at him as, you know, one of these great separators um, and it's just tough kind of judging where everybody's going to fill out in the target pecking order. Cause unlike last year where, you know, Carolina sort of with Teddy Bridgewater sort of had um, like a, a narrower tree. It was basically Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, like, now assuming Teddy Bridgewater is a starter in Denver, not only do they have a better defense going to take them out of some of those pass heavy game scripts, but like this is a kind of a crowded room, you know? Cause mm-hmm. like Tim Patrick's a pretty good player. KJ Hamler has legit speed as a potential speed slot guy. Noah Fan is a guy that people have ranked as a top 10 tight end. Like people are excited about Javante Williams and like Melvin Gordon might still be the starter. It's it's a tough, it's a tough team to project out. Jerry Judy, I think, is the guy that I want the most out of this receiver core, but I wouldn't be surprised if the volume's kind of to a point where you know he he might still come in lower than expectations but i do really believe he's a good player
0: yeah that's fair and, and i hope that for judy spike week's sake for dfs it does end up with drew Locke as a quarterback i right now i would bet on teddy winning but yeah, yeah I, I mean i think that for dfs we want drew Locke in there for spike week with jerry judy because i do think that he will have some speaking of alleged spike weeks marquise brown fake hollywood florida oh. hollywood Brown, Of course, the subject of much controversy at ETR last year, I was way low on Marquise Brown last year, and way high on Will Fuller. This year, I'm kind of out on Will Fuller. And I'm actually kind of intrigued by Marquise Brown this year because I think it's a much different scenario. I actually think he can be better now that he has Bateman and Sammy Watkins there. You know, he, Marquise Brown is not a number one wideout But as the number two, while Bateman and Sammy attract some attention, Marquise Brown can make some really big plays. So what do you think about this new setup for Marquise Brown? And is he actually a legit NFL number one top tier receiver like Baltimore initially thought that he was?
1: No, I think the biggest problem, and I was too high on Marquise Brown from like a fantasy perspective last year too. Um, He's just not good enough against press coverage. Like that's been his problem in each of the last two years in, in reception perception. I think that... You know, he's not, um, he's not too bad against man, pretty decent against zone. You know, he's a, obviously a good downfield receiver. Like if you look at his reception perception charts, you know, the nine, the post, the corner, the out route, stuff like that are some of his best routes, but. I've, and even even once they started to kind of get him some layup routes, it, it towards the end of this last season, slant routes, screens, stuff like that, he also started to produce a little more steadily. But I agree with you; like he's a good he's a good player, but not a number one receiver. And I think Bateman is really the key to unlocking this receiver because I love Rashad Bateman. I think he is a Justin Jefferson type of prospect Um, in reception perception. You know, you can check out the profile on the website. A lot of glowing things there about him as a potential um, over the middle receiver where we know Lamar Jackson is the best passer. I think, you know, dig routes, curl routes, stuff like that could be huge, you know, different routes that that Marquise Brown does not excel in those patterns. Bateman could be the guy there. I think, there's a non-0% chance to, again, not projecting this, but there's a non-0% chance that Bateman just comes in and changes the way this team Functions as an offense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he could be that type of player. And they're also just so much, Sammy Watkins is who he is, but they're just so much better even there just having him than like Miles Boykin or uh the husk of Des Bryant last year. I mean, they signed Des Bryant off the scrap heap from like his last snap in 2017. He was playing legit snaps for this team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really think that. Bateman is kind of the key to unlocking Marquise Brown from like a deployment standpoint, have him be a vertical threat, have him get some of those layup routes for for yards after the catch, big plays in space, but really Bateman's the number one here. Bateman's the guy, and even, even though he's a rookie, I think I'm okay with drafting him sort of in the later rounds just on the chance that, again, Lamar yeah. has another type of efficient passing season as we've seen before.
0: Oh, I think both Bateman and Hollywood Um, our values at their ADP right now. Like, Hollywood was so overrated last year and he's become underrated this year, in my opinion. Michael Pittman, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because Carson Wentz hurt his foot this week, I believe either today or yesterday, and he is out indefinitely. I don't know exactly how long Carson Wentz is going to be out, but I was interested in Michael Pittman from a raw athleticism standpoint, from a Bible narrative standpoint, and we joke about this, (laughs) but there were serious rumors in Philadelphia that uh, Carson Wentz was was having issues in the locker room he's he was only throwing to the guys or favoring the guys that he was going to bible study with or whatever and I joke about it a lot but then I started doing research on Michael Pittman and Michael Pittman is a very religious guy so I was kind of excited for his connection and because I think T.Y. Hilton is like almost totally dusted and Michael Pittman is so 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 clearly the alpha here I do like Paris Campbell as kind of an underneath guy but yeah I like the setup For Michael Pittman. So I don't want to spend a lot of time here because we don't know Carson Wentz could be absolutely done and then we waste our time. But just real quickly in general on Michael Pittman
1: yeah ty hilton you mentioned sort of near the end of the road here second worst success rate verse man coverage from the guy sampled in 2020 ahead of only carson Wentz's former teammate jalen rager oh, who was no. bottom last year actually had the second worst success rate verse man that i've ever charted beating only justin hunter since 2014 there's a lovely uh, little nugget about why the damn eagles screwed that one up um uh, but on michael pittman i was definitely ready to be excited about pittman you know the carson wentz thing obviously throws it out a little bit but i think pittman right around 71 71 71.6 success rate versus man that's a pretty decent threshold in terms of guys we should be optimistic about I think the biggest thing with him you know some folks get on him about not getting enough targets last year I'm not I don't really care much about that because he had spent some time on IR was a little bit banged up Um, and I think that when he played out there the biggest problem is that he was like an antithetical fit to the player that Philip Rivers was last year I don't I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say Phillip rivers arm was kind of shot last year. Cause he freaking retired, you know, mm-hmm. like that doesn't seem like a big, uh, a big leap there to make Pittman ran 40% of his routes were digs and slants last year. I think we want Michael Pittman being more of a vertical threat. We want him being that true outside X receiver running like curls and deep patterns, stuff like that, that, that really would be sort of the, um, The unlocking key that we need for Michael Pittman. But I'm like, depending on what happens with Carson Wentz, like in an an ideal world, just we'll we'll know more about this eventually. In an ideal world, I think that Michael Pittman was a screaming value where he's going because the risk that Carson Wentz sucks is baked into his ADP. But the Mm -hmm. fact, like the upside that he could potentially get 110 targets and be a wide receiver, too was not baked into his ADP. And uh, the obviously the Bible narrative is also pretty crucial there. Too. Exactly.
0: And, and I would also say that Indy really used a heavy rotation at wide receiver last year. I hope that this year they'd go with a little bit tighter rotation and Michael Pittman is more of an every down wide receiver. They certainly need it. Right. Seems like
1: they're counting on him, too. I mean, they made no moves at the position, yeah. you know? Like, they, they didn't, other than bringing T.Y. back, it's not like they added anybody. And Chris Ballard, like, loves this guy. And I think they were kind of, my, my read, even if you think Pittman's not a good player or whatever, like, or he's not that great, which I do tend to fall on the positive side with Pittman here, it was clear that, like, the team was counting on him to have that breakout season sure. to even field, like, an average-level receiver core.
0: And they're getting, I mean, they didn't add him, quote-unquote, but they are getting Paris Campbell back, hopefully. Yeah. So it's kind of an add. Uh, Okay, let's run through these last four guys here, back end of the draft. Darnell Mooney, I haven't taken any Darnell Mooney hardly at all. And maybe that's going to come back to bite me. I know he had a ton of empty air yards last year. I think he was getting open a lot just on the eye test. And obviously the quarterback play was atrocious. We'll see Andy Dalton and Justin Fields hopefully improve on that. And Evan noted on the last podcast we did how how well Justin Fields was throwing the deep ball. Obviously that's where Darnell Mooney is going to win. What did you say you on raw talent and ability for Darnell Mooney.
1: Yeah, he's at that like 66th percentile against man coverage where you're looking at again, like kind of a solid number two receivers. Um, I I could see him filling into that role as more like I'm not banking on him being a T Higgins type of number two receiver or something like that, but a pretty solid role player here, Um, as you mentioned, good success rate on the nine route. uh, But what was also really encouraging about him, you know, high success rate on slants, flats, digs, some of those more underneath routes that could be like, if he's going to get a lot of volume, we're going to need him to produce on those routes. We're going to need him to separate on those routes and I, I think that Mooney can be that guy I'm not gonna get too crazy about Darnell Mooney just because I mean it's still the Bears offense and like Alan Robinson is gonna command you know 25 plus percent target share like how much more meat on the bone is there for Darnell Mooney but I do think he's like a good little player that can be a, a really nice role player for the Bears
0: yeah I'm okay with not having much of him so far if he burns me I think I can live with it Speaking don't
1: of- think he'll make or break your draft basically
0: it's kind of yeah Speaking of guys who I can live with, this I can't live with. 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders is reportedly (laughs) ahead of Gabe Davis. And I really like Gabe Davis's athletic profile coming out. I thought he was reasonable. Uh, And as a rookie in this really exciting offense, at age 34, and I I know at this point, I don't care about what Emmanuel Sanders has done in the past. At age 34, can Emmanuel Sanders still play? Because this offense, we know they don't throw the tight end a lot. They're going to be among the league leaders in pass rate over expectation. Josh Allen is going to be extremely aggressive. Like I want wide receivers in this offense. I hate taking 34 year old wide receivers. Can Emmanuel Sanders still play?
1: Yeah, I think he can still play you know, but also one thing I will say, as you mentioned with like the age model and stuff like that it, it, with reception perception we, one of the things that I'm I'm not always confident in based on just some guys like Des Bryant, who had like a really good season before falling off the cliff. Um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald sort of always saying at that same steady level or whatever, um, Age Cliffs are something I'm always a little concerned with because mm-hmm. like it could go and it could just go like that. The one thing I'll say about Sanders is a contrast to a guy like Des Bryant is Sanders like wins with route running and savvy and craft and stuff like that and and that, he's always been a good player in reception perception because of that. I do think that game ages better than you know your Vincent Jacksons or your Des Bryant's those type of players stuff like that um, you know the bigger receivers that have seen that fall off the cliff moment you know so I get why Sanders is probably ahead right now. I'm not really that big on Gabe Davis. You know, I think he could be like a really good vertical threat role player type of guy, but I would think he needs a little bit more seasoning. You know, he was below the 20th percentile against man and zone coverage. I think he's mostly right now would honestly serve this offense better as the red zone receiver, as mm-hmm. the vertical receiver, which is great for like late round best ball stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't, I am like in my projections, I would have Sanders outproducing him this year but really to me it's just my read on the buffalo receivers has been like you know and we'll see what, what like freedom fighter cole beasley like whether he plays or not this year and like what his whole deal is but uh to me it's just been like digs wide receiver one overall this year like the, the the more change around him it doesn't matter i'm just locking that in
0: yeah no i understand that and I, I think what you're saying is what the bills agree with gabe davis as more of a role player and manny sanders as the more steady wide receiver two type we'll see how long that lasts though and you know one yeah. of the things that we're trying to bake in which is hard to bake into the rankings is by the end of the year, who will you rather have Manuel Sanders or Gabe Davis? Because by the time the end of the year comes, who knows what type kind of shape Manuel Sanders is. And it's really hard at the beginning of the year. I totally agree. Emmanuel Sanders, Henry Ruggs, you know, Raiders go out and make him the wide receiver one in his draft class in a pretty good <laughs> draft class. And I always thought he was kind of the wrong fit with Derek Carr. Would he be a good fit with a better quarterback? Can it work? With Derek Carr, because Henry Ruggs I mean allegedly was getting other people open, was threatening the defense, et cetera, et cetera, was not producing though, but this is why we have you beyond the box score. what did you think of Henry Ruggs rookie year
1: yeah, Henry Ruggs like lined up all over the place, you know, like you said, was apparently doing some good stuff decoy wise who knows like how much of that is really True, I mean, you can watch it, like you can watch these other Raiders receivers, and like I think Nelson is getting himself open, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a little pop gun passes to, to to Darren Waller that defense is accounting for Henry Ruggs, all this stuff, but Yeah I think that in an ideal world Henry Ruggs like from a reception perception standpoint profiles pretty similarly to like a poor man's Brandon Cooks but as you mentioned I don't know that this is the like quarterback and offense to do that with I, I definitely would love to see like Henry Ruggs best route is like the deep post which I think is Brandon Cooks best route you know again pretty similar players those two guys but from like a pure talent perspective, like, I don't know that I ever see Henry Ruggs being like a future number one receiver. Um, I like John Brown a lot in, in this offense, you know, if he can stay healthy, I would, I would bet, and who knows, you know, who knows if he can stay healthy, but if, if both of these guys play 17 games, I would bet that Brown produces Henry Ruggs.
0: Hmm, Okay. That would also break the age model, but okay, here we are.
1: Yes, that is that is an age model problem <laughs> for sure. But uh, I just think, like I said, I think Henry Ruggs could be a good, like poor man's Brandon Cooks type of player. There's no real shot on Henry Ruggs. I'm just a, I've long, long, long been a big John Brown guy and uh, yeah. would love to see him give one last run here.
0: All right, last guy we're going to talk about here is one of my personal favorites because in the 2019 preseason, Jacoby Myers was going absolutely ham. Jacoby Myers was, I mean... To say he was like the MVP of the 2019 preseason, an understatement. He absolutely dominated. And then I was thrilled to see him get a chance in the regular season and play really well, Jacoby Myers did in the regular season. That said, this Patriots offense, I think, is going to be boring again, kind of like how I think the Saints are going to play, kind of boring again without Michael Thomas. And so I'm not too, too excited about Jacoby Myers. And his ADP has come up a lot lately lately. But, you know, he was very affordable for a while there, like around 14, 15. I mean, Jacoby Myers, you were definitely printing there for a while. I think that you're high on Jacoby Myers as a player. Shout out to team preseason. What do you think about Jacoby?
1: Yes. Shout out to team preseason. I really like Jacoby Myers as a player would surprise me 0% if he's the most productive receiver in new England this year, like for what that's worth, right? Because I could not, I could not care less about the contracts that they gave Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Like this team had money to burn and they absolutely needed warm bodies in the receiver Mm -hmm. room. And like Nelson Aguilar is not great, but he was a really good vertical receiver. I think John Gruden, kept testament to John Gruden, like unlocked, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar as more of a vertical player than what the Eagles did as like a little pop gun slot guy. Got the best out of him, I think that would be a great role for him to play in New England, but he's like a fine starting NFL receiver. I think Jacoby Myers is the more unknown guy here. Um, his profile is going to be up on receptionperception.com little little teaser there hopefully by the middle of next week, if not early next week. I think people are going to be excited i think he's a good i think he's a really good like player. It's just you know how much is this offense going to be worth for fantasy when they you know, did, did invest in two tight ends. And I believe that says a lot about their intent with those two guys with the receiver room, though, they could be still perfectly high on Jacoby Myers and go spend that money on those other players. It doesn't really bother me too much. Okay. I, I loved drafting him where he was going like a, you know, a month or so ago that was just like, yeah, an auto select there. Cause I do, I'm very, very high on the player.
0: Sure. Love it team preseason we'll see who emerges to be on my coveted I and mean, this is what these guys live for who will be on adam levitan's first team <laughs> all preseason this year we'll see who it is starting with the hall of fame game on thursday very excited for that all right matt you said it all i appreciate you being here telling people where they can find you on the social media machines
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb if you're Looking for more Reception Perception stuff, which I hope you are after today's show, ReceptionPerception.com is the place to do it. If you want to try before you buy, the methodology tab on the site is the best way to find out what all of this information is, what it all means, and also... You know, shout out to your guy, uh, Odell Beckham. His profiles are 100% free to read right now for people uh, if they want to get a taste of what you get when there's like like 60 plus guys on the website right now. Rookies, veterans, old guys, the whole thing. Um, Yeah. I hope people check it out. Sortable data tables. We also have a discord as well. I know you guys have a discord too, but there's always room for more. Uh, there's always room for more discord. It's uh, it's nice to let the people talk amongst themselves sometimes. Uh, that is for sure. So yeah, I appreciate you having me today, man. This is always one of my favorite podcasts to do every year.
0: For sure. Appreciate it. We actually, you mentioned discord. If anybody likes to bet props and my God, I, I've been betting so many props. I mean, you gotta be in the discord for the props. I mean, the props channel is, is where it's at because these lines are moving so fast. And we talk about oh, them yeah. first in the in the props channel. So I really encourage you guys, if you have a subscription, to get into the Discord just so that you can be in there for the props. It's so, so, so fun. I spent a lot of this morning trying to get Colts props in, and now it looks like Carson Wentz may be fine, and that was all for naught. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. That's going to do it. We'll be back next week with more podcasts. We'll be back next week in the preseason package for the Hall of Fame game. For Matt. For Jerry. For producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.